Welcome to the Raising Christian Kids podcast. Your host, Leanne Mancini, is extremely passionate about helping children to have a strong foundation in Jesus. You will be equipped with methods and techniques to help solidify a relationship between your child and Jesus. So let's dig deep and raise strong Christian kids. Hello and welcome back to Raising Christian Kids. I hope you enjoyed listening to the first part of Alex McFarland's interview. And we're going to continue today with the rest of our interview. Do you have any new projects or books for this year? And how can parents get involved in supporting your ministry, your wonderful ministry? Oh, God bless you. Thank you so much. Well, we just redesigned the website, alexmcfarland.com. And my travel calendar is on there. And we, we do radio. We're on the radio seven days a week, Monday through Friday, live, and on the weekends pre-recorded on 251 stations around America. We have a television show. But a couple of things that, that I think are pretty important. Again, our youth camp, which is July 17th through 22nd. This year, we've rented a camp that is in the state of North Carolina, about an hour east of Raleigh. Now, the, the camp is for middle school and high schoolers. Truth for New Generation. The theme this year is Unashamed, Building Your Biblical Worldview. So we routinely have young people from all over America come. And great music, horseback riding, fishing, swimming, all the camp stuff. But out in the wilderness, now we stay in very wonderful air-conditioned dorms, but we do hikes and we try to get quiet, get away from the city for a week. And we get in that place where we can hear the still small voice. And I would encourage people pray for our camp. July 8 through 10, I will be at the Cove, the Billy Graham Training Center in Western North Carolina. Always wonderful. That is for adults only, the Cove. Then March 22nd, we'll have Lauren Green of Fox News, a devout Christian, wonderful journalist. And uh, we do have opportunity and it's free to have live studio audience So if anybody felt like they want to come to North Carolina March 22nd, I invite them to be a part of our studio audiences as we film content and curriculum with some of these great thought leaders. Oh, I love that. And, you know, also for our listeners, if you go to RaisingChristianKids.com and go to our Tips from the Experts video series, you will see Alex. Alex was so kind enough to do a video from Tips for the Experts for us. And we also have Edward Graham, Billy Graham's grandson, who did a video for us as well. And he talks about how parents, you know, can raise their kids and also a little bit about legacy. So Alex, is there anything else you'd like to share? We're so thankful to have you on the show. Oh, well, just again, let me say how much I appreciate you. I thank you so much, and I appreciate you. You're a, a great Christian leader and a colleague. But just let me encourage people to pray for our country. It's been my privilege to speak or debate at 200 American universities. And while, I mean, you and I both are in higher education, and I believe in education, but our university system, well, secular education, K-12, through and college, I I can promise every parent watching, unless your sons and daughters go to a solidly Christian school, and they are pretty rare, I I can promise you your kids are going to get woke, politically correct content, all about revisionism, pro-socialism, anti-America, 
And so I would just urge your, your viewers to please pray for this country, but be very judicious about what type of education you place your children under. We are, we are absolutely in a battlefield of, of ideas and viewpoints. And they're targeting younger and younger, you know, because what they're doing now is maybe if your child's in kindergarten or first grade and they're learning math, they'll introduce these ide- ideologies in the math program. It'll say yeah. one daddy who's a husband, one daddy who's married to him, and, and they have a child is how many in a family unit. So they'll, yeah. they'll introduce it through math, through English. It's not something you can opt out anymore like you used to. And back in the day, you could opt out of the sex education class. No, it's all through the curriculum. It's so scary. Yeah. Well, it, re- it really is. And if you don't think that the woke, progressive, revisionist curriculum is out there, I got to call the head of a music department, a major state university, Ph.D., This gentleman listens to us on the radio. He's a devout Christian, and he's the head of a a major music department. I'm not going to name the name of the school because I don't want to jeopardize his job. But he called me up August. They have professor orientation. And he was told, now this is a music department renowned for its string department, violin, or orchestral department. He was told that tuning is racist. Now, now, hang with me. Those of you who are musically inclined, A is 440. If you have a tuning fork, you know, 440 cycles per second. Uh, that's the pitch A. But, you know, it, 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 European males gave us this. And music theory, I mean, come on, who's to say what A is? I mean, you think the pitch A is thus and such. But somebody else, because, you know, there are... African cultures and music for them doesn't really have meter and pitch. It's more about rhythm and their Asian cultures that they don't use the the tuning that we use in the West. By the way, like if you've ever been in a Chinese or Japanese restaurant in the background music, Eastern music sounds very different than Western music, very unstructured. But this guy came to me, he said, we were told and, and you haven't even heard, brace yourself, you haven't even heard. He said, I no longer am allowed to tell my violinists they have to tune up. And he, sa- he said, Alex, I can't teach conducting to students whose instruments are not all in tune. He said, we can make noise, but it's not music. But tuning and theory is racist. But here's the thing. He said, you, you would think this is some bad joke except that it's true. He said, we were told to no longer use the term sheet music, like your score, sheet music, because you know who wears sheets? Oh my goodness. And the term S-H-E-E-T, sheet music, may offend somebody. He came to me and he said, Alex, I'm going crazy. I can't lead a music department when I'm no longer allowed to tell the students to tune their instruments. My point is, all of this bend over backwards to be politically correct, to be woke, it's viewpoint discrimination, but it, it's actually anti-knowledge. It's, it's stupidity. It is stupidity. That, that we know At the highest level we've ever experienced. 
And, and it reminds me of the scripture that says, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Yes. That's, that's where we are in America. So I would enjoin your listeners to please pray that we would have a revival of, of course, Christ and his work, but just of truth. Just yes. we're a nation that needs to once again believe that there is objective truth. Absolutely. And, you know, don't sit back. I think that's what happened. When God judged the world and he judges people, it's not because of the devil. The devil doesn't rule the world. God rules the world. And he expects his Christians, those who believe in him, to step out, to speak up, to make a difference, to write letters, to do whatever. You know, the Israelites, whenever they were held into captivity, it was because they walked away. It wasn't because the Babylonians or the Assyrians, they were stronger than them. No, it was because they weren't doing what God had told them to do. We are in our situation because we're not doing what God has told us to do. We are not raising this next generation to be strong in Christ so that they can be the next leaders in government, in academia, in the political arena. And, and if we don't start doing that, we're going to be even in more trouble. It's going, to, it's going to get worse and worse. You know, Hitler said, he alone who owns the youth gains the future. Well, you can yes. say the devil does that. So we really have to wake up as parents and grandparents and teachers, ministry leaders, everyone who's raising this next generation, you know, dig deep, get educated, be on the front line, write letters. This poor professor in this college, it just breaks my heart. It, it's just yeah. shocking. Well, that, that's true. Having uh, gone through public education myself and then in recent years spoken at so many schools, maybe, maybe we'll do a show one time about talking to kids about gender and morality. But uh, I spoke at the University of Kentucky Medical School in Louisville two years ago, just before COVID started. And it was, it was a kind of a consortium on what does it mean to be a human being. And this is a medical school and medical students and some of the professors were very vocal in their denials of gender, that maleness or femaleness are objective states of being. Now, I know I'm, I'm getting a little bit philosophical here. There's a philosophical word, ontology, ontos, O-N-T-O-S, being. So I'm at a medical school and listening to medical professionals, not all, but some of whom denying that, that femaleness is an ontological state. And I'm saying, no, there are XX and XY human beings. And, and, and by the way, Leanne, I've got to say this. And I, I'm, I'm only speaking for myself here. So for anyone that is offended and affronted, you can fuss at me, Alex McFarland. Mm -hmm. Transgenderism is demonic. And, and I will tell you why. Because, you know, it's one thing to say, God, you can't tell me how to behave. The Bible says, don't steal, don't lie, but I'm going to steal and I'm going to lie. God, you can't tell me how to behave. But transgenderism says, God, you can't even define what I am. I was born a gen genetic male. No, I and I alone will determine what I am. And to essentially say, God, you have no claim on my life whatsoever. God, you can't even speak to the issue of what I am. That is demonic. That is the ultimate form of moral relativism. I was at a university speaking, and the subject came up. 
And, and I spoke to this student in front of 400 kids, open mic. I said, you as a human being and this young lady, she goes, don't label me. You don't know me. You can't, don't call me a human being. And I said, well, actually, believe it or not, I meant it as a compliment because to acknowledge your humanity, because throughout history, we've recognized that all humans, you as a human being, have worth, value, dignity, personhood. I said, believe it or not, the highest compliment I could pay you and the most honoring way that I could address you is to say, I acknowledge you are a human being and you have all of the rights and respect that go with that. But she said, and many of the students nodded in agreement, I'm not a human, don't you label me. And th- there is the idea, and this is, this is very integral to where millennials and younger are at some, There's, there are questions of motive and power. See, this is why right now ministry and discipleship has to be birthed in the context of relationship, because in relationships, you have trust, honesty, respect. See, part of the reason kids aren't hearing us is because we don't have a relationship with them. And so when there is not a relationship, but there's only interaction, the millennials, Zs, and younger, there are questions of motive and power. And and she was like, you know, what's your angle? Are you trying to play me? Why are you calling me a human being? Well, but we're living in a time where people because they are very much deceived. The only way I can say it, like the Bible says, that people are lost. People are lost. So we need to pray. We need to be prepared. And we need to invest in the lives of people. Because apart from the revelation of Christ and the the truth that only the Holy Spirit can switch that light bulb on, people are tragically, deeply, tragically lost. It's so sad. And, you know, prayer is our most powerful tool. And our children are our most powerful weapons, you know, for our future. They're bows in the quiver. What do those bows do? Those bows are to kill the enemy. Okay, so that's who our children are. They're our future to fight against the enemy. Two things I always say, you have to teach children the full gospel. We spoke about this a few minutes ago. It's not the gospel if you don't teach them about heaven and about hell. And also teach them very young about a worldview. Say, as Christians, this is what we believe. But I want you to know, even though you're only five years old or four years old, there are people who don't believe that. You know, teach them very young. We, we need to give them more meat, not, not yeah. milk anymore. Because kids are, they're smarter than they've ever been. And, oh, they, yeah. and they exactly. ask between 40,000 questions or something like that, or 400,000 questions, I forget, between the ages of two and five. So, wow! but thank you, Alex, for being on the show. I really greatly appreciate your work and we'll be praying for you. Well, thank you. And I appreciate you and, and your much in our heart and uh, in our prayers as well. Thank you. And this is how we shall all work together to raise strong Christian kids. This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. 
Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app.